Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, happy Mother's Day to the mothers. Uh, I appreciate my granddaughter being here. Uh, when she comes in town, come look us up. Pray for her while she's in college. All of them need prayer while they're in college. Thinking about Trini graduating, but she's going on to do her graduate work now. We're gonna, so she'll be doing her graduate work. Just pray for all of them. Uh, pray for Julian. He's going to graduate next Friday. So we're, we're praying for that. Here's another thing I'm praying for. And I, I want you guys to think about what I'm going to say. Sometimes we look at the outward sign on our children. And we look at them as if they perhaps have no interest in the things of God. Let me tell you, it's never too late to pray for your children. It's never too late to encourage them. Tell them to get on the WebEx. If they haven't been coming on a regular basis, tell them to get on the WebEx. Uh, I, I want things to continue. You know, you never know how God's word is going to touch them. So they may not want to come and assemble. You know how the adversary makes you feel. Well, you know, I, I don't want to be around church. They're different, whatever. You know, that's how that happens. Or they think they're condemned because of things that they've done in their life, whatever. Forget all that. Tell them to get on the, the WebEx. If they haven't been doing it, I am blessed to have my children think about God the way they do. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with their mother. This is Mother's Day. We both did it, but you know, when I'm at work, you know, all those times I've worked for what, 62 years total from the time I was eight. So most of the time when you know, those things that happened, she was there at home to, to help them. When they went into a crisis and I was gone, I was at work, they would all come home, and the, the, she would handle the crisis. And when I got home, she'd tell me about it, and then we'd talk about it again with the children or whatever. So there's a very good part, very great part that the mother plays in the raising of children. Great part that the mother plays in the raising of spiritual children. So that, that's something that's very important, too. So how can they get to be spiritual children? Well, they have to hear the word of God. It's as simple as that. If they hear it, I leave it up to God to perform the work in it. Because he said, the words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. I believe things start to happen because I trust God. It's just as simple as that. So even though I don't see a lot of outward signs on them sometimes, and they, to you, you're saying, ah, they're not even thinking about God. That's you making a judgment. But here's the thing. I want you to put them in prayer. Number one, you, you can look at what they're not doing, huh? Are you praying for them? See what I'm saying? This is important. Put yourself in there. Pray for them. Um, and, uh, you know, advertise this church. You know, you have friends and whatever. Say, hey, you know what? If you have spare time on Wednesday nights and on Sundays, why don't you join our WebEx? They can sit in the comfort of their living room and do that. They may not want to come out. Friends, whatever. Neighbors, whatever it may be. But let's start advertising this thing. If we get 50, 60 people on, on WebEx, bigger than the actual church and physicality, that's great. 50, 60 people listening to the Word of God. You know, so let's, let's continue to preach the truth. Don't ever hesitate to talk about the hope that lieth within you. You know, because, and if you can't get them here, Convince them, try to convince them to come. If they, ah, I don't want to come, you know, okay, hit the WebEx. 
uh, let's use the tools that we have. It's a very important thing. Um, so I'm very happy for it being Mother's Day. I appreciate what Dan said about mothers. There's a mother in all of us. You know, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. Dan took it from Mary and brought forth the things that he talked about this morning. I'm going to take it from a different thing here. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I probably won't be up here long, but there's something I want you to catch. Um, I'm going to read from Galatians. Let me say something about Galatians first. Paul had preached out the Galatian church. Okay? You remember that. that you hear people say it all the time. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You know, what happened is some legalist entered into the church, most of the time it's Jews, and, and they're telling them that they have to follow certain things, perform a work in order for God to come into their life. So Paul had already delivered to them that this is all done by the Spirit, but now Paul's in another place. So he's writing to the Galatians, he's heard the, what's happening with them and their thought. And so now that I've made you free through the Spirit, are you going to go back to the baser elements? Go back to following a law written on stone? Are you going to go back to something where you're legalistic, you have to follow a certain pattern? All this? Are you going to go back to that now that I've delivered these things to you that, that brought you freedom through the Spirit? So he's really concerned about them, you know. Uh, some people entered into the church and tried to bring that legalism in. And the people started saying, well, then I guess I have to do work, 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 you know, in order to obtain the things of God. Uh, grace wasn't being preached. What was being preached is that you follow the letter of the law or you do things that you have to do in order for God to even consider blessing you to bring you into salvation, which is so silly because he died for all. Salvation is free to all. So if you just make up your mind that you want to do it, you can. You can enter into the things of God. But this legalistic thing, following rules, and stuff, religion does that a lot. So that's what's happening in the Galatian church. And, and Paul says, even at one point, he says, I'm afraid of you. I delivered all this stuff to you, and I'm afraid. How were you so easily moved to go back to the legalistic view? He said, I used to be in that. He said, you're, you're talking to someone that did that. I was a Pharisee. I did, you know, all of these things. And so he's telling them, he said, don't, don't let this thing come into the church. So is that an important thing to preach on Mother's Day? You better believe it after you listen to what I'm going to read here. It's powerful to understand the place of the mother in the church, the spiritual mother in the church. Listen to this. Let's see if we can get it going here. So that's the background to Galatians. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Now, you see what Paul's doing here. He's breaking this down. The bondwoman, he's relating to the law because it keeps you in bondage. You see what I mean? So he's relating. And then the one that's the free woman is for you to understand that things are done by the Spirit. And that the Spirit can encompass everything and bring you in. So he's comparing the two. He's making an allegory. He has a hidden meaning throughout the story he's telling them right now. A hidden meaning. Okay? But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he who was a free woman was by promise. 
So don't we all live in a bondage when we follow the flesh? We did. We didn't like it. That's the thing that bothers us is following the flesh and, and then not having any fruit thereby because you don't produce fruit when you're in the flesh. The flesh profiteth, so you're not going to produce fruit. Yet you're doing things that you think are godly, carrying you to a certain place, and then you're wondering why things aren't working out right. Well, you have a misunderstanding. That's what the thing is. You do not understand that it's not done by works. It's done by the grace of God. It's done by faith in God. It's done by trusting God and allowing God to bring you in through the wisdom and understanding of God, the mother which is above wisdom and understanding. Okay? So let me read this part again. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. So he, he's making an allegory of the bondwoman being the law and, and the free woman being of the spirit, which is free. Okay? But he goes on. Which things are an allegory. He actually says it's an allegory. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. So he's talking about Hagar that had Ishmael, remember? And uh, God had told Abraham, he said, hey, this is something for you to consider. Abraham wasn't always the epitome of faith when God was talking to him in his early walk with God. So he thought he was going to help God out. And Sarah brought the, you know, Hagar over to him and said, hey, get a, get a child by him. Perhaps this is what God wants. Because he was still able to produce himself, wasn't he? He was able to do that. So he went in unto her and Ishmael was born. But God was very emphatic, very emphatic through his angel, through his word. This is not the promise. Abraham even asked, oh, that Ishmael would live before you. He said, no, the thing I'm going to do is going to be done by a miracle. It's going to be done with there's nothing that you have anything you can do toward making this come to pass. So and then that's going to be my promise. Isaac literally is the promise of God. He continues the seed line that takes us all the way to Christ. He typifies Christ in a type and shadow of almost being sacrificed on the mountain. Remember the only son that he had that that was a promise and taken and sacrificing him. So the whole deal was, this was a type and shadow of what Christ was going to do, but it could not be the very thing because it had sin in it. Sin was in the world, whatever. Christ without sin had to be the one that died on the cross. So this death of Isaac was nothing more than a type and shadow, the proposed death of him because he didn't have to die, did he? There was a ram in the bush. Even that was Jesus. You know, the, the, that sheep, that ram, whatever it is, sacrifice on the lamb of god that taketh away the sins of the world okay so in allegory all of this was going forth so listen to this now for this agar is mount sinai and arabia and answers to jerusalem which now is where did moses go to get the commandments mount sinai he went up there right and there was a law given well they couldn't keep that law okay so that gendereth to bondage there was a bondage under the law because it couldn't be kept and it was weak through the flesh. And then so what happened? They entered back into sin again. So the law could not do them any good because they couldn't keep it. Not that the law was wrong. The flesh couldn't keep it. That was the big thing. Okay? Answers to Jerusalem. And then he says, For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. Now think about this. Even Jerusalem right then when Paul's talking is in bondage with her children. 
You know how? Isn't the Roman government in charge? Aren't the Pharisees in charge of the religious context? Still in bondage, huh? Still, he said, which now is still in bondage. He said, we got to go to another Jerusalem. There's another one we have to have now. There is a Jerusalem which is above, which is free. That's the Jerusalem that we have to go to. You see, that's what he's talking about. And Jerusalem was the understanding of God which is above. It was typified by Sarah being the one that had the child when it could not be brought forth by flesh. Remember when she laughed when God and the two angels came and they said, oh, you're going to have a child. Old as I am, how is that going to be? <laughs> I laugh. That, that can't be. And, and if you go read further, you'll find out that Abraham laughed too. Both of them had laughed at different times, thinking about how is this going to be? Well, that's the measure of unbelief you have until you start walking in the faith that God has given. Abraham, later on down the line, understood that even if he sacrificed Isaac, God was able to raise him up again, but he had to get to that point of faith. That's us. That's our walk. We have to get to the point of faith, okay? And believing God unconditionally, understanding that God can do all things, and that the power of God is made manifest through his spirit in us. God sanctified us by putting his spirit in us. We need to sanctify him to follow the spirit he has placed there. Sanctify him in everything. Not to look at why things can't be done, but to look at what, how things can be done, all things, through Christ. That's how we have to look at it. So, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now we're getting to the mother, huh? It's the mother of us all. It's the wisdom and understanding of God. It's the godly woman. Is it not? The mother of us all. Wow. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. For a long time we didn't bear. We didn't produce Christ in us. You know, that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Isn't that true? All, there's many more people that don't believe, that are in desolation, that have no thought of God, than the ones that are free that understand God. Oh, they outnumber us greatly, don't they? But does that make a difference? Doesn't make a difference if you're in Christ. What did it say about one putting a thousand to flight, two putting ten thousand? All those thoughts that can come up like that in your world. Well, isn't that typified by this world we live in too? Look at us. We travel every day. We go to work. We do things. And there are millions, billions of people that are not considering Christ. So do they outnumber us? Yes, they do. But the ones that do consider Christ, didn't it say, wide is the way that leads to destruction? Very wide, huh? But the one that leads to righteousness, is it a narrow path? Every once in a while, a traveler on it? That's the way it works. How blessed are you to be the traveler on the narrow path? How blessed are you out of all that's there? He told us this is the way it was going to happen. Sometimes we get transfixed because there are so many people doing the opposite of what we do, and we think to ourselves, maybe I ought to be with them because you think of numbers or you think of how they're blessed in this world or how things happen for them. He said, maybe I ought to be in that. No, 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 don't be fooled. Numbers is not it. That's why God had to get David when he numbered Israel. He said, you didn't win these battles and stuff because you had the greatest army. In fact, most of the time you were less than the people you fought. It's because I was with you that you won these battles. Think about this. God wants us to understand we need to sanctify him in everything, in everything. So yeah, was David a great warrior? Much so, much so. 
but he didn't do it by himself. He had to do it through the auspices and the spirit of God. God had to make this thing work the way it was going to work. And, and he was a good example of how God could make it work. He was also a good example of how you can leave God, take a thought, and get messed up. He's also good at that too, huh? But he learned by that to repent. And he still remained a man after God's own heart because he knew God loved him even in the midst of his sin. You have to understand that. If we sin, if God still loves us in the midst of that, is he, is he a forgiving God? Yeah. Is God patient? Yeah, he is. God is very patient. So God has mercy on us many times. God has had mercy on me many, many, many times. I think about that. The mercy of God is why I'm standing here. The grace of God is how I'm standing here. It was always God, never me. It was always him that did everything. You can probably take, if you want to, try to take claim for something that you did. But really, it was by the strength and power and wisdom and understanding of God that it came to pass. Very much so. So, we have to cast out that bondwoman, don't we? Not to be heir with the son of free woman. He cannot be an heir to Isaac. Ishmael could not be an heir to Isaac. Very powerful. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So now we understand this allegory. We're not going to be put under a law. The law is written in our hearts now, and we follow it by the Spirit of God. We follow Jesus every day. This is what we do. We don't go look at something on a tablet and say, well, I got to do this one today and this one here and I got to offer for this over here. No, offer yourself as a what? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service because now we're under grace and truth. Isn't that how it works? The law and the prophets were unto John, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So now it's the inward, isn't it? It's the inward man that has to consider the things of God. His will becoming God's will and not the will of his own. Sometimes we think we want our own will. Let me tell you, when you have your own will, can I tell you what's going to happen? You're going to wander through a lot of wilderness through your own will. Because your will says, oh, I like that. Let me go over there. Or I like that. Let me go over here. That's what your will will do. But what if your will gets changed? What if your will, what did God say? There first must be a willing mind. What if your mind and your thoughts are changed to become the words and the thoughts and the mind of God? In other words, you literally think like God. Isn't that what the ultimate goal is? That's what it is, is to think like God. Wow. To have his mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Did he not have his father's mind? He did. He even told Philip, he said, to, <laughs> Philip asked me, he said, hey, why, why do you keep doing this? Show us the Father. He looked at and said, Philip, have I been so long with you and you're still asking me to show you the Father? When you see me, you see the Father. Wow. Another place he says something else. I love this one. When you see me, you see him that sent me. I sent myself because I'm God. <laughs> Lo. I come in the volume of the book. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He's telling you who he is. He told the woman at the well. She said, well, that, our father said the Messiah is going to come and whatever, all of this. He said, when you're talking to, when you're seeing right now, that's he, that's me. I'm him. Wow. Told her straight out. 
yeah, it's me. This is what you've been waiting on all this time. Yeah, but you're a Jew and you're asking me for water and all that. <laughs> Listen to what I'm going to tell you here. I can give you water where you'll never thirst no more. And you don't have to come and draw it. Give me, sir, of this water. <laughs> Isn't that cool? But that's what we want. That's what we need. Let me tell you a little something about, about this whole thing, about this allegory between the bondwoman and the free. So the free woman was Sarah, wasn't it? And just like I said, she laughed initially when God and the angels came and told her, you're going to have a child. But now the reality of it comes in. Abraham was 86 when he had Ishmael. He was 100 when he had Isaac. Think about this now. And Isaac had to be weaned for a couple of years, didn't he? And during the time of his weaning, Abraham had a feast. But Sarah saw something. She looked over and saw Ishmael, and he was mocking the young child that was being weaned and being, had been circumcised and all that. He was mocking him. And Sarah saw that and got angry, got upset. And she went to Abraham. She said, cast out this bondwoman and her son. They cannot be heirs with my son, with the promise. And, and Abraham was grieved because of that, because he loved Ishmael. That's his son. He loved him. But God came to him and told him, said, uh, do what Sarah said. What? That, that really pushed him to, wait a minute, God's telling me to do what she said? Yes, do what she said. So even though it bothered him, he did it. Gave her a big pitcher of water. Sent her and her son out away. Cast out the bondwoman. This is spiritual. There's something's going to come out of this. And he, and he cast them out. Even though it grieved him, he cast them out. But God told him, said, there is only one promise, and you're going to have that. And they did. He was 100 years old when, when Isaac came on the scene. That's something. So already Ishmael's 14 years older than that, right? Then he's weaned for a couple of years. So let's say 16. Do you realize how old Ishmael was when he cast him out? Think about that. Young teenager, 16. Maybe 17. We don't know. We don't, the Bible doesn't tell us. But we know that time period between he had, where he had the two and the time it was to wean him. And he cast him out. Gave, put a, a big pitcher of water on her shoulder. Remember, the women carried the water in those days anyway. So, so, and they misinterpret the scripture there where it says that they put the pitcher on her and her, the son also, like she's carrying the son. What that means is that she has to bear the water and the responsibility for keeping them both alive when they go. That's the bearing that she's doing. And so they go out to the wilderness of Beersheba, try, trying to make it somewhere. I don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. And they get to the point, all the water's gone, all the sustenance, everything that they had that Abraham gave them to take the journey is gone. So what happens then? We've all seen those pictures on TV, people lost in the desert, needing water, can't find water, whatever. How do they start looking after a while? They get very weak. They get dehydrated, whatever. And they die out there sometimes, don't they, from the exposure. They don't have the water. They don't have sustenance. Well, they got to that point. They got to that point. And if you read it a certain way, you think that she has a little baby that she sticks under a shrub, you know, to get some shade. But knowing what you know now, guess what it was? They were weak. 
he was weak, she was weak, they're exposed out there. And she put her son, that weak teenager, under a shrub, a bush, so he could have a little bit of shade before he died. She said, I don't want to see him die. And she put herself a, a, a bow length away where they shoot an arrow, where she could still observe him. And she just watched him. And she said, Lord, I don't want to watch my, my child die. And they call him a lad, by the way, and not a baby. If you go back and read it, they call him a lad. So that further proves he's way bigger than what you think. That's not a little baby being put under the bush. But this lad cries. He cries out to the Lord. People forget that part. Ishmael actually cries. She's crying because she thinks her son is going to die. Angel comes to her and said, Hagar, why are you crying? She said, I don't want to see my son die. She goes through the whole. He said, open your eyes. Look. And she looked. There was a well right by her. <laughs> right by her. And she went, got the water, went over to her son. They were sustained, and they made the journey through Beersheba, the wilderness. And they came to a place at a time when he grew up. She went and got a wife for him from, guess what country? Egypt. Went to Egypt, got him a wife, and he went on and lived his life. Many more, all of the stuff that comes out of Ishmael. Didn't God say great nation was going to be built out of him? God kept his promise because he's a son of Abraham. So a great nation comes out of him, just not the promised one that God said. You see how this works? God has a special seed, guys. Do you realize that you're that seed? Special seed. You're different than everything else in the whole world. Every other nation, you're a peculiar people. That's why I said you have to be a good soldier. You're going to have to fight because you are those people. You're the people of God. You're the ones that all the rest of them are going to try and come against. Think about what I'm saying. And that's exactly what happens. Oh, there's more to this story about this. I could go into detail about a lot of things, but that's not what we're here for this morning. This morning is to show you that you do have a mother, every one of us, and it is up above. It's Jerusalem that is free. Jerusalem where we get our wisdom and understanding. The godly woman typified by Sarah. The miracle that was done in her old age. Another place in the New Testament that says their bodies being dead. They couldn't produce on their own. That's what God was waiting on. Say, Abraham, tried to help me out while you could still reproduce. I didn't need your help. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to wait until you can't do it. And then I'm going to bring forth a son. And now she's laughing differently now, Sarah is. She says, laugh with me now. Because she's laughing at the joy that this has been fulfilled by prophecy. The child has come and God has kept his word. So now she's laughing from the joy of it. And she says, you join me in the laugh now. Oh, way different than the laugh she had at first of unbelief. But now it has come to pass. And now look at this seed line through Isaac. What does Isaac have? Esau and Jacob. And then the 12 patriarchs and all the things that go. And then we get the tribe that Jesus comes out of, Judah. And all of that. And you see how everything goes all the way down the line. And what does God do? Does he preserve that seed line? Yes, he does. But did he preserve the seed line of Ishmael too? Yes, he does. All of those nations that are there. They're still out of Abraham. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through who? 
Father Abraham, all of them. Any of them that exercise faith, that's what God is looking for because they're still his children. But there's the special one, the child of promise. Is Jesus a child of promise? Yeah. He fulfills it later on down the line, literally, doesn't he? He fulfills it. He's the child of promise. Prophecies, everything coming forth about this child who's going to save the world. True, isn't it? So who is it now? Now are we the sons of God. So who is it, Patty? Is it you? So is he going to preserve that? You have to walk after God so you can be preserved. That's how it's going to work. You have to walk in the light as he is in the light. If you don't walk that way, you will not be preserved. You have a reservation in heaven, but you have to, you know, fulfill that reservation. You have to walk in sanctification and in holiness and in righteousness so that you can fulfill that. So you can sit on the throne. Isn't that how it works? Or he says, we're going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel and we're going to do this and that. You're going to be right there with him. Didn't he say that? You're going to be right there. Do you know not, Paul says, that we're going to judge angels? Yeah, you're going to be in a place where you can do that. This shows us the promise that God has in store for us. So this allegory, this, this story, this hidden meaning that goes throughout a story, now the hidden meaning has been made known. Now the mystery of God has been made known to us. huh? Now we understand it, don't we? Then another thing comes in the parable, doesn't it? It's not quite the same. The parable is one thing standing for another. But doesn't, sometimes don't they cross, you would think? One thing standing for another. But now are we the sons of God? Oh, that's the parable. The seed is the word of God. It's not a dollar bill. That's what people say. He says, send, send me this, seed this, seed that. And they always talk about money. Isn't that what you've seen them do? Look at them on TV. That's all they do. They've turned the seed into a dollar bill. The seed has always been the word of God. The seed has always been Jesus. It's always been that. It's never been a dollar bill. And Jesus didn't charge for what he did. No matter what it took in him, no matter how long he had to preach, no matter how far he had to walk, uh, give me a little money for what I did just now. No, no. In fact, he provided for them. Lord, there's 5,000 following us and they're, they're hungry and they don't. And Jesus said, well, then make them sit down. I said, Lord, we don't have enough stuff to feed them. He said, what do we have? Well, we got a lad here with two fish and five loaves of bread. Bring him here. Come on, bring him here. Now make them sit down by companies of 50. What, what, Lord, what are you making us do that for? Make them sit down by companies of 50. And they did. And they all ate. And they took up 12 baskets of fragments that were not eaten. So he provided for them, didn't he? Hmm. But he never sold this stuff. Word of God is not for sale. You don't sell this stuff. You give it away freely. Freely given, you freely give. Isn't that how you do it? Well, let's be doing that. Let's freely give this stuff out, man. We got it. We got much in the storehouse. We've heard much word. Let's give it out. Let's give it to somebody that needs it. We all need it. 
We're still continuing to need it. But there are others that need it. So let's tell people about that. And now that we got this WebEx, I like all of y'all being on WebEx. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is powerful. You can get the Word of God. All you have to do is listen to it. And the Spirit of it will do what God says He will do. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And he's not talking about what we call life here. He's talking about life everlasting. You get this word in you, you will live forever. Does that mean you won't die in the physical body? Nah, we just had a friend that left here in the physical body. But did he die? Did he leave one place and enter into another? Woo, isn't that powerful? I love that. When my time comes, I want to do the same thing. Leave here and enter into another. Continue life in Christ. Because that way we live by the Spirit. We are spiritual beings in a physical body. Your spirit lives on. Don't you want to live on in Christ? Or do you want to live on in, in sin and condemnation and hell and death? How do you live your life here? Don't you want to change it so you can live your life right? So by the time you enter into that place, you can enter into the grace of the Lord? Isn't that what you want? This is powerful. That's what I want. That's what I want for myself and for my world. That's what I want for my children. The children I naturally have here in generations and the many I'm reproducing as a mother in my world. I have children not of this world. They're thoughts that have been propagated by the word of God. Many children. And they're going to outnumber after a while. It won't be the bond woman outnumbering. Guess what it's going to be? It's going to be us. Because that's just the way it works. So we're going to multiply this thing, aren't we? And beget children in God. Many thoughts going forth. This is what God wants. Many thoughts of his. Without number. And God is going to do a work. Because he said he would. So I don't have any better sense than to believe that. God said it. I believe it. He said he was going to do it. So I believe that. Now I have to walk like I believe it. Isn't that true? Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out like you believe it. Don't let anything trip you up, or put a stumbling block in front of you. Let's walk it out and see what God says. See what he says that's true, and then you actually experience it and know it for yourself that it is true. God's doing that with me all the time now. I know it's true. Lord God, thank you. I know it's true. Because I'm experiencing things. It's true. It's true. Anybody have any questions for me on this Mother's Day? The allegory of the mother? Man, we want to serve that Sarah, which is Jerusalem up above, huh? The free one. Typified by that. By faith. She caught all the faith eventually, huh? Now that I've had this child in my old age, Wow. God did what he said. Then she could laugh differently, huh? That was good. I enjoy that. So don't ever think it's impossible with God. Everything is possible with God. All things are possible through him that we believe in, through Jesus Christ. 